If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And for the last several weeks, we've been in this study that we're calling Welcome to Babylon. And we're talking about how we can thrive in a godless culture and what we should do when we find ourselves in a place or in an environment where people are running contrary to what we know to be true in God's word. And we've been studying the life of Daniel who was taken into captivity in Babylon. And we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. And today we're gonna be in Daniel chapter six. And if you are ready to dive into God's word, would you say ready? If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And that Bible is our gift to you if you don't own a Bible. But we're looking forward to studying these verses together. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open and ready this morning as we navigate these verses. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, preferred. Preferred above the presidents and the princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, everybody say now. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. This morning, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject, fly the kite, fly the kite. Let's have a word of prayer together. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together to worship you, to lift high your name. God, you are worthy of our worship, and you are worthy of our praise. God, we know that your word says that we are to praise you according to your excellent greatness. And God, that our praise should be proportionate to the greatness of who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that, that our worship would be worthy of your greatness. Lord, I pray that today as we look to your word, 
that we would be challenged. God, I pray that we would understand the significance of this text and how it applies to us and how we can apply it to our daily lives. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said this morning. I've never been great at flying kites. Anybody great at flying kites in the room this morning? A, a kite flyer? How many of you do not even enjoy flying kites? Anybody like that? Okay, very good. Uh, I remember when Katie and I first moved to Fontana to come and to start the church, I thought if there's anywhere that you can successfully fly a kite, it should be in Fontana. With all of the winds in Fontana, it should be the kite flying capital of the world, right? And so we went and we bought a kite and I was excited about trying this with the kids and I was unsuccessful. I did not have many great uh, attempts flying the kite. And uh, I remember uh, before we started the church, my brother-in-law and my sister came into town to help us pass out some invitations uh, before our official launch service. And it was a particularly windy day in Fontana. And uh, she uh, got out of the car with her kids, my sister and, and uh, uh, their daughter at the time, who was the youngest at the time, McKenna, she was three years old. She got out of the car on this windy day and the wind literally just blew her right over and her feet just kind of were up in the air uh, for a minute. We were like, welcome to Fontana. You know, these are, these are the winds. And I've never been great at flying kites. I've been kind of unsuccessful in this endeavor. But one day I have faith that I'll be able to get it. So pray for me in that regard. Uh, back in the 1840s, there was a group of engineers that were trying to figure out how they could build a bridge across Niagara Falls. And this was proving to be problematic and difficult because they were trying to get a rope across the divide and they were trying to build a bridge between the American side and the Canadian side, but they were struggling to do this because in the 1840s, there were no helicopters, the water was far too dangerous and the rapids were too great to swim the line across. And so they were trying to figure out uh, the best way that they could do this. And what they decided to do was they decided to have a kite flying contest. And the idea was, I think we have a picture this morning, the idea was let's try to get a kite across the divide and we can have that string across the divide. And so that's exactly what they did. They held a contest. There was a teenage boy named Homan Walsh, and he was the first person to successfully fly a kite from the American side to the Canadian side. He won a $10 prize for this endeavor. And uh, he flew the kite. They grabbed that string. The next day, they tied another thicker string to that. They pulled it across the other side, and then they took a thicker string and tied it to that and pulled it to the other side. And then they put a rope on this side and tied that rope, and they pulled it to the the other side. Eventually, they put a cable, and they brought that cable over, and they ended up building a sus suspension bridge all the way across this divide, starting with one little string. Now, there's a principle here that I want us to understand and grasp today. Are you guys ready for it this morning? There's a principle that we have to see, and that is this. If you want to build the bridge, you've got to fly the kite. If you want to be successful in your spiritual journey, you have to be willing to do the little things. You have to be willing to start small, just that one little string that could make a big difference. Horace Mann said this. He said, habits are like a cable. We weave a strand of it every day, and eventually it can't be broken. And so as we are studying uh, life in Babylon, we're recognizing that that. Uh, the book of Daniel is filled with many big, large, dramatic moments, right? Uh, we've seen them all throughout this study. We've seen uh, Daniel is kidnapped from his home, taken into captivity, away from his friends and family. We saw last week that there was the writing on the wall, that dramatic moment where uh, the, this, this spooky moment where there was a writing on the wall. They're trying to figure that out. Uh, we saw Daniel and his friends 
Uh, Daniel's friends were thrown into a fiery furnace. Uh, We are even going to see this week this story about the lion's den. Many big, dramatic, monumental moments. But I believe that the real secret to Daniel's success was not found in the monumental. I believe that the secret to his success was found in the mundane in the little things. I believe that Daniel throughout his life learned to fly the kite. He he learned to do the little things, the small things that might seem insignificant. He he learned to establish the right habits along the way. And because of that, God blessed him in those big, dramatic public moments. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 16, verse number 10. He that is faithful, everybody say faithful. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And so today, rather than fixing your eyes on the big, great, and the monumental things, fix your eyes on the little things, the daily disciplines that God would have you carry out. He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And so I believe that as we study Daniel chapter 6, we're going to see how Daniel was willing to implement the daily decisions and the little things and the small habits that led to great success. And so uh, what I'd like to do this morning, if you're taking notes, I'd like to give us four ways that we can fly the kite, four ways that we can implement the daily decisions that can lead to great success. Does anybody uh, seem interested this morning? Are you interested today? And so we're going to look at these four ways to fly the kite. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, number one, embrace the routine. You have to embrace the routine. Now let's pick up the text in verse number one, and I would encourage you to keep your Bible ready and open as we uh, study this passage together. Uh, We're going to study most of Daniel chapter six this morning. Notice verse number one. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom in 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, it's important to note that there's been a transition and a change in leadership in Daniel chapter 6. If you were here last week, we saw how the king of Babylon, Belshazzar, was lifted up with pride. And because of that, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire infiltrated Babylon and they took over the kingdom. And so now Belshazzar is no longer the king of Babylon. Now we have a new leader, a new sheriff in town. His name is Darius, and he is the leader of the Medo-Persian Empire. Empire. And so we see that what he does right off the bat is he's establishing new leadership. In verse number one, he's going to establish 120 leaders to uh, be rulers over this new empire. Notice verse number two. It says this, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. And so it's interesting to me that as Darius is establishing and setting up new leaders in the Medo-Persian empire, that he chooses Daniel. Because you would think that Darius was going to get rid of anyone that was in that Babylonian empire, anyone that was in leadership, out with the old, in with the new, let's establish some new leaders. But rather than establishing all new leaders, we see that he's bringing Daniel to the table and he says, I want Daniel to be in the mix. I want him to be in charge of everyone. He was promoted to be first. And I think this is interesting because it seems like wherever Daniel was, wherever he was planted, he just succeeded in that, in that space. How many of you have ever met someone and it just seemed like no matter what they did, they just were successful at whatever they tried? You know someone like that? Like it doesn't matter if they're playing ping pong or pickleball or football or playing an instrument, anything that they try, it just seems like they're good at, right? That's Daniel. It just seems like, man, here he is. He's getting promoted again. But can I tell you a truth this morning? Many times when someone makes something look effortless or easy, it's typically the result of doing the same thing over and over and over and over again over the long haul. And that's exactly what we see with with Daniel. 
here. Uh, Daniel, when we come to Daniel chapter number six in the story of the lion's den, Daniel was an older man. In fact, I remember growing up in church. How many of you growing up in church heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den? I'm just curious this morning. And so growing up in church, I remember hearing this story and I was uh, in a class that I actually first learned about Daniel and the lion's den through flannel graph. How many of you know what flannel graph is? All the real spiritual people, right? We didn't have a projector. We didn't have a TV screen. We had flannel graph and they would kind of just put those things. Thank you so much, Rakia. Rakia knows exactly what I'm talking about. You just put those little stories up and the teacher can move them around. And I remember seeing Daniel in the lion's den and learning about Daniel in the lion's den. And that little figurine on the flannel graph was always like a young guy, a whippersnapper in his young twenties. And he was uh, just clean shaven and he just kind of had a halo around his head and all the lions around him and he was praying. And, and Daniel to me was always relatively young in the story of Daniel and the lion's den. The reality is most commentators believe that Daniel was in his upper eighties at this point in his life. And so Daniel was an older gentleman at this time. He's just ready to retire. He just wants to play some golf and uh, he just wants to have the occasional bingo night and just live a, you know, easy life from here on out. Uh, but here's Daniel in his late eighties and he's being promoted and he's being elevated in this Medo-Persian empire. And what we find, what we find in the life of Daniel is that he was faithfully doing the same things, the little things over and over and over again. Daniel was willing to embrace the routine. I want you to see it starting in verse four. Is everybody with me this morning? Yes, verse four says this, then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. He was faithful. He was consistent. He was willing to do the little things over and over and over again, uh, spending time in prayer and spending time uh, talking and communing with God. He was faithful in the little things. In fact, notice the end of verse number 10. It says he started to pray in verse number 10. And then it says this, as he did aforetime. This was something that was in his habit. This was in his routine. This was something that he always did. Notice verse number 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake to Daniel, saying, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest, watch this, continually? Continually. He was faithful. He was continuous. He was consistent in his routines. Daniel uh, had the ability to embrace the mundane, to embrace the routine. So often in life, we are so fixated on the reward that we neglect the routine. We neglect the little things. Uh, Several years ago, I saw this video for the first time, and uh, perhaps you've seen it, Michael Jordan playing basketball, and he has shot undoubtedly in his career thousands and thousands of free throws. In one game, Michael Jordan was getting ready to shoot a free throw, and uh, he decided to uh, shoot it with his eyes closed, just to kind of prove a point. I brought the clip for us this morning. That's what happens when you do something over and over and over again. He said, I've done this so many times, I can just do it with my eyes closed. Now, Kobe's still the GOAT, make no mistake about it, but that was pretty impressive to shoot a free throw with his eyes closed. Why? Uh, he had done that thousands and thousands of times. It was routine, and he did it with his eyes closed. Here's, here's the truth today. All of us are creatures of habit. We all are. In fact, Duke University did a study several years ago that said that 40% of what we do is habitual. Think about that for a second. 40% of everything that you do in life, you're on autopilot. Yeah. Have you ever been driving and you arrived at your destination and thought, 
how did I get here? I don't even remember taking the turns. I don't even, how many of you are with me if that's ever happened to you, right? Uh, so much of what we do is on autopilot. Uh, there's a book called The Power of Habit. It's written by Charles Duhigg, and he talks about something that's called keystone habits. And he calls keystone habits certain things that we do that we can put into place that will have a dramatic effect on other areas of our lives. And so if you can establish some keystone habits, it'll help you establish other habits in your life that will be beneficial. There's another author named James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. He talks about the same concept when he says habit stacking. He says you should create one habit and stack another habit on top of that. For example, an example of a keystone habit by Charles Duhigg, he would talk about this. He would say a keystone habit could be just simply making your bed in the morning. If you make your bed in the morning, that might set the trajectory uh, for another healthy habit and something good that you can build off of that. Perhaps a keystone habit would be journaling or, or something of that nature. Now, with that in mind, my question this morning is this, when it comes to keystone habits, what are some spiritual keystone habits that we must implement into our lives? What would be some certain things that if we did those things, it would have a dramatic effect on other areas of our lives? And so what little things, what keystone habits can we implement? And so I thought in order to learn from this and establish some keystone habits, I thought it'd be good for us to look at the greatest, greatest example that we have in history. His name is Jesus Christ. Would that be okay? What were the keystone habits of Jesus? What did Jesus continually do? Let me give you a couple references this morning if you're taking notes. First, Luke 4.16. It says this, and he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, are you tracking with me so far? As his custom was, something that he routinely did. He always did this. It was his custom. As his custom was, he went up into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And so what was a keystone habit of Jesus? Gathering with God's people going to the synagogue, going to church. The corporate gathering of God's people was a keystone habit for Jesus. As his custom was, that's what he did. Can I encourage you today to make the house of God a keystone habit in your life? To say, you know what, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And anytime the doors are open, I'm going to be there with my family. I'm going to make that a keystone habit in my life. Jesus, as his custom was, that's something that he always did. I'm going to prioritize gathering together in the corporate setting of God's people. He went to the synagogue. Here's a second keystone habit, Luke 22, verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. You see it? As he was accustomed, uh, as there was a habit, as was his routine. And his disciples also followed him when he came to the place. And he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so what was a keystone habit for Jesus? Prayer. Can I encourage you to make prayer a keystone habit in your life? To every day spend time talking and praying with the one that created you, that loves you more than you could ever imagine, that longs to hear from you, that wants to hear you pray. Jesus had this keystone habit, this habit of prayer. Mark 10, 1. It says this. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered together, uh, gathered to him again. And watch this. As he was accustomed, as his custom was, he taught them again. And so another keystone habit of Jesus was teaching and sharing the gospel. I wonder, is evangelism a keystone habit in your life? Is it something that you continually do? 
Is it something that you constantly want to share your faith with other people? And here's what I'm trying to get at this morning. Time and time again, we see with Jesus, as his custom was, as his custom was, as his custom was, he had some habits, he had some routines. I wonder this morning, what is your custom? What do you continually do? What are some routines that you are willing to put into place? Hey, it might be seemingly small and insignificant. It might not seem like a big deal to you to wake up and to read your Bible. It might not seem like a big deal to you to spend some time in prayer. It might not seem like a big deal to you to take your spouse out on a date. It might not seem like a big deal to you to pass out one invitation for Open House Sunday, but I'm here to tell somebody this morning that little is much when God is in it and that we should never despise the days of small beginnings. It might not seem like a big deal to you, but God can do some great things when we surrender our will to him. Daniel was in it for the long haul. He was in his late 80s. And what was he doing? The same things over and over and over and over again. Babylon is not just about the monumental. It's about the mundane. It's about who you are when no one is looking. It's about the daily disciplines, the daily practices that we are willing to put in place. And this is what uh, Daniel was doing. This leads us to our second thought today. Number two is this. Not only embrace the routine, but number two, harness your spirit. Harness your spirit. Notice verse number three. If you're still with me this morning, can you say amen? amen? Notice verse three. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And so I love this. In verse number two, Daniel was promoted. But in verse number three, Daniel was preferred. If you want to be promoted in life, whether it's at work, in your career, or just promoted in a general sense, if you want to be promoted, hard work and consistency and faithfulness can get you there. But if you want to be preferred or distinguished, the word carries the idea of head and shoulders above all else. If you want to be preferred you have to have an excellent spirit. It's about your attitude. It's about your disposition. See, if there was anyone that had reason to complain in life, it was Daniel. If anyone could have been bitter at God and bitter about his circumstances and and bitter about being um, uh, mistreated, it was Daniel, taken away from his friends and family, taken to an unfamiliar place. If anyone could have complained about his situation, it was Daniel. But what do we find? He was promoted because he was faithful, but he was preferred because he had an excellent spirit in him. Here's the reality. Often, we are experts at complaining. (laughs) Uh, We can do it all the time. We can complain about all kinds of things. We are good at complaining. I saw this uh, Twitter screenshot the other day that I thought was humorous. I brought it with me. It was someone complaining to Domino's Pizza. Yo, I ordered a pizza and came with no toppings on it or anything. It's just bread. We're sorry to hear that. We're sorry to hear about this. Please let our friends at Domino's know. And then he says, never mind. I opened the pizza upside down. (laughs) We are so quick to complain. You just gave me bread. That's all I got. Uh, We are so quick in life to complain. We can complain about our boss. He's so ridiculous. He doesn't understand. I'm so tired of the weather being so hot. Oh, my goodness. I'm just, just so sick of the season that I'm in. We can complain about all kinds of things. Did you know? that more people died in the Old Testament from complaining than any other sin. Often we are quick to complain. Can I tell you, you know why Daniel had an excellent spirit in his life? You want to know? Because he put it there. It didn't just happen by accident. It wasn't just his personality. He's just upbeat. 
He had an excellent spirit within him because he determined intentionally to put it there. It's a decision. It's a choice that we can make. And if there is negativity in your heart, there will not be positivity in your life. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we have to determine to alter our perspective and to think different thoughts and to alter our perspective in life. I was reading recently, uh, there was a psychologist that was doing this study on what she called uh, cognitive reappraisal. And uh, that's kind of a fancy way of saying uh, to change your perspective or to see something from a different lens, a different viewpoint. And she did this study on Olympic medalists. And uh, they studied all these Olympic medalists. And what they found was that the bronze medalists categorically were quantifiably happier than silver medalists. And you would think that's interesting. Don't you think that the silver medalists would be happier than the bronze medalists? They want a higher medal. But the reason why is because the silver medalists always thought about how close they were to winning gold, but they didn't make it. And yet the bronze medalists thought about how close they were to winning nothing at all, and they were thankful for winning something. It's a matter of perspective. Can I encourage you today to shift the perspective in your life and and to not be so consumed and concentrated on everything that's going wrong and to remind yourself every once in a while that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that you have been forgiven, that you have been redeemed, that you have a home in heaven when you die, that you have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God, that you have a more sure word of prophecy. Hey, we have everything that we need to live a life of godliness. We always have something to thank him for. We always have something to praise him for. And so we ought to live with an excellent spirit. If you want to thrive in Babylon, if you want to fly the kite and do the little things, determine to place within you an excellent spirit. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. And so being intentional without the spirit that we have within us. John Maxwell said this, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. So often we can have a good attitude if life is favorable, if the wind is to our back, right? That's typically our our sense of satisfaction in life and our sense of gratitude is contingent upon three things. Self, if I'm doing good, if I'm feeling good, then I'll have a good attitude. Or uh, our situation, if my situation is good, if I'm getting the raise that I want and things are in my favor, then, then I'll be good. Or stuff, if I have what I need and I have what I want. But can I tell you that true joy is not about wanting what you don't have. It's about appreciating what you already have. And so when we realize that, like the psalmist says, we are daily loaded with benefits, we have so much to thank him for, so much to praise him for. Psalm 100 says this in verse number four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. We always have reason to thank him and to praise him. And by the way, If there is gratitude in your heart, it will alter the atmosphere of your entire life. If you just focus on, what can I thank God for today? What things can I praise him for today? Harness your spirit. Number three is this, if you're taking notes. Here's the third uh, thing that we have to recognize today. Number three, expect a fight. And so if you're going to develop daily disciplines, you're going to do little things, you can expect a fight. 
okay? Uh, why? Wherever there is routine, there will be resistance. Uh, there, we, there will be people against you. There will be systems against you. There will be processes that go against you. Uh, nobody ever said that developing the right patterns, the right habits in life uh, is going to be easy. Uh, case in point, Holman Walsh, that teenage boy that flew the kite over Niagara Falls, he didn't do it on his first attempt. That'd be a great story. You just flew the kite over and great. They built, built a bridge. No, he failed over and over and over again. He lost his kite many times. You can read the story when you get home today. Uh, he uh, had to uh, fix his kite because it broke many times. And finally, eventually he was able uh, to do that. There was certainly some resistance that he was met with. Now, in Daniel's life, as Daniel is trying to live faithfully before the Lord, he's going to be met with some great resistance. And I want us to see it today, starting in verse number four. So if you have your Bible still, verse number four, then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So they said, we're going to try to trip him up. We're going to try to dig up some dirt from his past. We're going to see if he has any skeletons in his closet. And we are going to expose all these things and let everybody know about the true Daniel. Daniel. Uh, we're going to find some dirt on him. But they could find none occasion nor fault. I wonder, could your character withhold that kind of scrutiny? If someone was out to find something, you know, we're going to study you. We're going to watch you when no one's watching. That's what they did to Daniel, and they couldn't find anything. His testimony was upright. His testimony was sure. They could find an occasion for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault in him. Verse 5. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What an amazing statement. They said, we can't trip up Daniel. We can't trap him in anything unless it has to do with how much he loves his God. Like, like they just knew that's what Daniel cared about. If we're going to get him to mess up, we're going to have to figure out uh, how we can do it according to his own God. That's how dedicated Daniel was. Verse 6, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and they said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. They said, we have this idea. Let's make it totally illegal to pray, to ask any petition of any God or any man. And Darius, we want you to be the one guy that people can pray to. In other words, what they were saying is, King Darius, how would you like to be God for 30 days? And he was thinking, that sounds pretty good. I would like to be God for 30 days. By the way, be very careful in life whenever you start to play or pretend to be God. Now, you might think, well, I wouldn't do that. I know that I'm not God. You might do it more than you think. Because any time in life when we're calling the shots and we're doing exactly what we want to do and we're not seeking or relying on God, we are playing the role of God. That is why James said in James chapter 4, verse number 12, he said, there is one lawgiver. One who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? There's only one lawgiver. There's only one true God. His name is Jesus Christ. And so what uh, they do here is they say, Darius, how would you like to be king for 30 days? He says, all right, that sounds pretty good. Notice verse number nine. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Can I tell you today, be very careful what you put your name to. Be very careful about the counsel that you receive. Please hear me today. Not all counsel is created equal. That's right. Just because you got your three best friends to agree with you doesn't mean you're on the right track. Right. Not all counsel that you receive is good counsel. 
This counsel that he received was not good counsel, but he signed his name to it. He said, you know, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be uh, God for the day, uh, for 30 days. Isaiah chapter 19, verse uh, number 11 says this. Surely the princes of Zohan, Zohan are fools. Pharaoh's wise counselors give foolish counsel. And so just because someone has the title and they, they, they want to offer you some advice doesn't mean that it's in according to what the Bible says. So uh, Darius, he decides, okay, I want to be God for 30 days. He signs the writing, this irrevocable law, according to the Medes and Persians, that could not be altered. It could not be changed. He signs it into law, verse number 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel didn't start praying just because the writing was signed. He was already praying and he just continued on when the writing was signed. Now, I love what Daniel does here. He prays with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He had a burden and a heart for his people. He prayed on his knees. This was a sign of humility. He prayed three times a day. This was a specific uh, pattern that he followed. And if you're serious about your prayer life, we can use Daniel's life as a template for prayer. To have a burden for people, to be praying for others, to have a specific place, to have a specific posture, kneeling before the Lord in humility, to have a specific pattern. Hey, there's going to be some certain times in the day when I'm going to pray. Maybe it's on your way to work. Maybe it's on your way home. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. But you are going to find those times that you can pray having a specific pattern. And here's what I want you to see. When the fight came to Daniel, he wasn't looking for a fight, but it sure came to him. How did he respond? How did he fight back? prayer. Yeah, that's good. Daniel didn't go and argue with them and say, you know what? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Let me talk to Darius. Me and Darius are boys. We can figure this out. We can sort this out. No, what Daniel did was he got on his knees and he prayed. And so when you are trying to establish some healthy habits and patterns in life, just know you can expect a fight. And the best way that you can fight back is to fall on your knees before the Lord and pray continually before him. And so uh, embrace the routine. Harness your spirit. Expect to fight. Here's the fourth one. You ready for number four? Everyone else ready for number four? All right. Increase your faith. If you are serious about thriving in Babylon and establishing these patterns and routines, you have to learn to increase your faith. I'm not going to function by my fear. I'm not going to function by my anxiety. I'm not going to function by my insecurity. I'm going to function and increase my faith, my trust in the Lord. Now, uh, Daniel's enemies, they catch him in prayer. All right. I want you to see it in verse number 14. They go and they tattle on him and they go and tell Darius, guess what? Someone was praying to someone else. And uh, they go and tell him, verse number 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself because the king, Darius, he liked Daniel. Uh, he, he, he didn't want Daniel to be harmed. And so he felt bad about this. He was displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. He got all his lawyers together. He got all of his uh, leaders together. He says, find me a loophole. Let me figure out a way that I can let Daniel go. I don't want to throw him into the lion's den. Let's figure this out, but he couldn't do it. Verse 15. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. You cannot change it. Now, please hear me today, because I believe that there's something that we need to know. There are so many things in life that we view from a human standpoint that we cannot change. But please hear me, what man cannot change, God can change. You might have a friend that it seems
to the Lord. You might have a relationship. There's never going to be restoration. There's never going to be reconciliation. Our country's too far gone. There's never going to be revival. This cannot change. Can I just tell you today that there is nothing too hard for our God and what man cannot change, God can change. Please stop putting our God in a box of what he can and cannot do. He can do whatever he so chooses. They said, King, you cannot change this decree. We have Daniel trapped. It's to the lion's den for Daniel. Notice verse 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Don't you love how Daniel's faith was wearing off on a pagan king? The pagan king's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Daniel, we have to put you in the lion's den, but I believe your God's going to deliver you. I've heard you talk about him enough, Daniel. Uh, I've heard you pray to him. I know what kind of man you are. I know the kind of God that you worship. And, and I'm believing that your God's going to deliver you. Notice verse 17. And a stone was brought. Everybody say a stone. A stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords and the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. And so here the king feels terrible all night. He, he, he doesn't want any music played. He, he's fasting all night. He just, it's just, his conscience, his guilt is eating him alive and, and uh, he's unable to rest. And by the way, this is a picture of exactly how sin works and operates in our lives. The devil always says, hey, do this, you'll feel good. Uh, you can be God for 30 days, it'll feel great. What can go wrong? Hey, this is gonna be awesome, go ahead and do it. And then you do it, you make the decision, and then he says, you call yourself a Christian? You call yourself a follower of Jesus, and you did that, and you went there, and you said that? And then we start feeling terrible about ourselves. Why? That's Satan's MO. Here's Darius, yeah, I can be king for 30 days, and then he did it, and now he feels bad, he feels terrible, he's staying up all night. Notice verse number 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and he went in haste unto the den of the lions. So in the morning he woke up, he runs over there, verse number 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king uh, spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? He says, are you alive, Daniel? Did God deliver you? Are you okay? He rushes in. Verse 22, verse 21. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. God stepped in, he sent his angel. I don't know about you, but this is something when we get to heaven, I really wanna see the replay of this and how this went down. Daniel's in there all night with the lions. He's unharmed. It's a great victory. Would you agree? I believe the greatest victory in Daniel chapter 6, the true test in Daniel chapter 6, was found in verse number 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he prayed anyways. Once Daniel passed that test, I believe that the lion's den was no problem. He said, I'm going to pray no matter what. Now, this could lead us to make some hypothetical questions. Would you pray if it became illegal? If they outlawed prayer, would you pray? Here's a better question. It's currently legal to pray. Are you praying? 
It's one thing to say, I would pray if it was all on the line. Do you pray when nothing is on the line? Do you pray now? Sometimes people say, I would die for Christ. That's, that's great, I, I hope you would. Are you willing to live for him? There was this time in the Old Testament when King David, his son died, Absalom, and he was absolutely heartbroken over this. You can read about it, Daniel was over, David was overcome with emotion, and he says, Absalom, Absalom, my son, I, I would give my life for you. King David was mourning over his son and said, Absalom, I would die for you if I could. But the interesting thing about that story is when Absalom was living, he was desperately trying to get the attention of his father. And David wouldn't give it to him. In fact, so much so that Absalom, trying to get his father's attention, lit a field on fire, saying, please talk to me. But Daniel, David didn't talk to him. Many times we can say, I'm willing to die for what I believe in. But are we willing to live for what we believe in? Are we willing to do it now? Daniel decided that he was going to pray continually as he did aforetime. Now, I want you to see a key phrase in verse number 23 as we close today. Verse number 23, it says this. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him. He was a-okay. Why? Because he believed in his God. Because he believed. Because he had faith. Please hear me today. If there's nothing else that we learn from this text, we have to leave this place not trusting in our feelings, not trusting in our own strength, not trusting in our own intuition, our own relationships, our own guardrails, our own convictions, but trusting in the one who created us and called us with a holy calling. Daniel increased his faith. He believed in his God. He walked by faith, not by fear. Hebrews eleven thirty three. 33, who through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions through faith. Increase your faith. Now, the story of Daniel ultimately points us ahead to a much greater story. The story of Daniel is a great story of deliverance that points us ahead to a greater story of deliverance. The story of Daniel is a foreshadowing of another man who just like Daniel, lived an innocent life and yet was condemned as guilty. Another man who just like Daniel was placed in a stone enclosure meant to be his tomb. A man just like Daniel, who the next morning when the sun came up, came out of that tomb unharmed and death could not defeat him. His name is Jesus Christ and the story of Daniel points us ahead to the one true deliverer, the one true savior. All of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament is about one person, his name is Jesus. Please don't leave today thinking I wanna be more like Daniel. We wanna be more like Jesus. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our savior. 
And Daniel is a type that points us ahead, that reminds us just how great and powerful and awesome and wonderful he truly is. And today, if you've never had a relationship with him, I would encourage you to place your faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone. The Bible says in Romans 13 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercy that he saves us. And if you've never had a real relationship with God, today can be the day of salvation for you. I'm thankful that in the nine o'clock service today, we had several people that responded to the gospel and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And there might be some here in this service or perhaps watching online that would do the same this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.